Coming to you from New York City. This week and every week, it's the Ben Kissel Show. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Ben Kissel. That is Mike Coscarelli. Uh, how you doing, Mike? Hello. How are you, Ben? How I'm are good. you, listeners? Yeah, hello, listeners. Oh, my God. Mike, it's been too long, Mike. It's been way too long. Way too long. Um, a lot has changed. I am a five foot seven Asian woman. And uh, I'm enjoying it. Thank you so much. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, So let's see. People said they demanded an episode. And I said, okay, I'll give you you a Ben Kissel show. They're always exciting. They're always wonderful. Um, Recap on my life. We went to the UK for the last podcast on the left. We did a UK tour. It was absolutely phenomenal. The fans were incredible. The food in Scotland was one of the more interesting things I've ever had in my entire life. It's all deep fried and the meat's full of blood. It's quite, quite disturbing. I've never really experienced anything like it. I enjoyed the meat pies, and uh, and the people of Scotland were absolutely wonderful. I managed to avoid a uh, a, a, a a what do they call that? A, the old Scotland kiss, which is a headbutt. They call I'm that familiar. the well. I am familiar with it, Mike. And uh, they call it the Scotland kiss, and that is a headbutt. But I uh, I avoided that, which was quite remarkable. And uh, overall, the entire tour was incredible. We started off in Scotland, then we worked our way up to uh, or down rather. Uh, to Manchester, and then we did two shows in London, and uh, it could not have been better. I lost, I won eighteen dollars playing casinos in London, and I absolutely loved every second of it. What is casinos? A casino is a small store that is full of uh, slot machines. That's all they have. They don't serve booze. Everyone's extremely sad, and they look like uh, maybe if I pull the lever this time, my kids will come back. But their kids never come back. But it's possible they win some coins, which then they can turn in. To pounds, which is what they call their currency there. Silly. So Silly UK I went people. I went to the UK and I gained eighteen pounds, but now what you're thinking, I was happy about it. Because it's money. Oh, I You I, get it. Stupid me. I thought you meant eighteen like literal pounds. That's the pun. Get up <laughs> on it, Mike. Uh, so it's been incredible, you know, still working over there at Fox News. Red Eye has been really good. Um, the selection, I mean, I feel like a weightlifter. You know, you watch those uh, World's Strongest Man competitions, and they carry those, they carry those big balls. You know those big old rock balls. Yeah. And they at some point they just drop it, and sometimes they drop it like three inches before setting a world record. And you're like, oh my god, dude, just like keep keep on going. You're almost there. And I feel like that man right now. My back is sore. My knees are tired. I have sweat pouring from my forehead, and a vein is popping uh, as if it's desperately trying to escape my skull. I mean, that's where I'm at right now when it comes to this election. November 8th could not come soon enough. Mm-hmm. I just want to drop this damn ball and get over with this entire thing. So I'm, you know, but it's been a fun process, but working at Fox News has been uh, more than interesting, to say the least, when it comes to the election, because they're completely confused on what direction to go. After Trump gets absolutely destroyed on November 8th, I don't know what that network is going to be up to. So it's interesting to watch it from the inside. I agree, because in radio, it's the same thing. We're working in a newsroom every day. Trump, Trump, Trump. We do, like I said, the Curtis and Kuby show, which I produce on right. ABC Radio. Uh, every hour, one, uh, one, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, it's mm-hmm. always the Trump hour. And now we have to retool after November 8th and say, what, well, what are we going to fill that hour with? <laughs> if Trump starts up his new television network, which I don't think it'll go to television because Oprah couldn't do it. That's yeah. my motto. If Oprah can't do it, nor can you. And specifically, if you're Donald Trump, Oprah beats Trump. I mean, there's no denying that. And her network, oh. Dare I say Oprah Trump's Trump. You can You can dare to say that. 
Oh, her network is absolutely failing. You know what they need to do? More Hallmark movies. Everyone looked at the Oprah network. They just thought it was going to be nothing but, um, you know, a boyfriend for Christmas. That's a great movie Mm -hmm. that I absolutely would love to watch. I would love a boyfriend for Christmas or Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Oprah completely failed. Vice is completely failing. Vice Land and Vice News. Uh, That's going to go under. I have a lot of friends who worked at Vice. They don't pay anybody. So I think Trump... Even with Steve Bannon, the man from Breitbart and Roger Ailes, the little groper himself, even with them on board, there's no way that Trump uh, will be able to actually go and have a television network because at the end of the day, he's just a licensor. He's half, uh, you know, mentally ill, and maybe he can have something that lives on the Internet. But after that, I mean, who knows? I think Alex Jones has already signed up to do some work with him. On the Um, Trump network. Yes, could be. I'll watch that. So that'll be, I mean, Alex Jones is just so damn out of his mind. Oh, he's He's, great. Can you imagine being married to that poor bastard? No, is he married? I have no idea. He's married to his love of telling the truth. (laughs) You know, that's what it is. (laughs) Um, So that's been good, you know, working over there. I mean, we, we got this deal now with Adult Swim, so we're doing 10 more episodes of the live stream as well. That'll be the last stream on the left for, obviously, the extension of last podcast on the left, the great podcast I do with Marcus Parks and Henry Zabrowski. Um, so we've got 10 more episodes of that coming up, mm-hmm. uh, so that'll be really exciting. I'm not sure you know, if Fox News hears about that. God knows what'll happen. I don't know if it's a big deal or not. I'm quite uh, confused by the whole thing. I feel like I'm living this bipolar existence between News Corps and Cave Comedy Radio and going on all these tours and doing these amazing things. So, you know, it's pretty, uh, it's typical stuff um, that I think I've been going through for the, what, the past, like, year now, basically. I've almost yeah, been there that. for a year. Mm-hmm. So, um, but the podcasts are doing great. We have 500,000 listeners a week for last podcast, about 100,000 for Ablingen's Top At. Roundtable is right around those numbers also. So, I mean, overall, I guess things are going pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> That's Me- great. Meeting the fans is good. Yeah. Meeting the fans is good. You had your live show last night. Uh, well, this will, you know, not be last night when it comes out, but. Yeah. The fourth Saturday of every month, we do a live show at the Creek in the Cave. And, um, I mean, it's always wild. It's jam-packed. The only problem is there's one bathroom uh, for the whole damn place. So afterwards, there was a massive line. But other than that, uh, it was a wonderful experience. The fans come out. They're so nice. They're so sweet. Beautiful. I mean, shocking. The the men are all, you know, they they look like you would expect. And then the women are gorgeous. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I, I think, had that flipped. Yeah, well, I mean, the men, you know, you can only imagine the kind of men that are attracted to the, uh, you know, the three of us blokes. <laughs> Those are that's some of the uh, that's some of the of the vernacular I learned over the in the UK. Right, right, right. They say blokes instead of dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that might be Australia, as a matter of fact. It could be both. I think it could be both, but the it's bloke is international. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the live shows have been great. I'm just reading in the news today about this comic named Kevin Meany, yeah. and uh, he died, and his uh, his whole thing was, that's not right, that's not right, and then he would sing sometimes, mm-hmm. and uh, he got it probably, uh, he got written up in the New York Post, and uh, the amount of words, just less than a tweet, uh, they really gave him about 140 characters right up there, Is he died what? at 60, he spent years and years entertaining the masses, and uh, they gave him about uh, maybe a 150-word little write-up there, and they did actually include a tweet by Jim Gaffigan. So what crack research they did here at the New York Post uh, to honor a man who made people laugh for 40 years, you almost get the feeling it's all useless, Mike. And uh, <laughs> there's really no that. reason to uh, be involved in comedy whatsoever. Yeah, it is interesting because when you come up doing stand-up comedy in New York, everybody it's, you, never do it. this. Yeah, don't do it. There's this air 
around everybody of like, I just want to be a comedian and I don't want to do anything else. And we were just saying before the mics went on, it's probably the dumbest thing you can do to just pigeonhole yourself and like, I am just a stand-up comedian. There's just no career in it, yeah. you know? I mean, it's not like, I, I suppose, the good old days, but we never lived the good old days. So not. I think they're mythical. I'm not even sure if they ever existed. Yeah, it's tough to say. Um, but yeah, I mean, unless, of course, you know, if you do want to get into stand-up, uh, I, I completely encourage you to do so because it's good experience to get on stage. And once you have the experience of being able to get on stage with confidence, uh, even though on the inside, I mean, everyone's a nervous wreck. Everyone's mm-hmm. tortured, uh, feeling too fat. In my case, in Mike's case, maybe he feels like he's being sexually objectified because he's such a handsome young man. I do. Yes. Uh, but if you want to do it, do it, and it's a great way to break any sort of fear that you might have when it comes to speaking in public. You know, when I was a child, I was diagnosed with social anxiety disorder. Um, I was hyper, what was it, hyper, uh, hyperactive uh, something else. I, I was like ADHD. ADHD, right. What do you call it? Attention deficit hyperactive. Yes, something that's like what that. I had too, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I, he doesn't go away. No, it never goes away. Yeah. Thank God. And uh, and also social anxiety. You know, I'll never forget when I was a kid, my mom, they, they sent me to therapy. And, uh, and there was a woman, I'm not sure if I told this story before. And it was some, uh, it was a, it was a room there uh, that I had to go to. And I, and I remember I sat down and, uh, and there was a woman, uh, you know, that was, that was being the therapist. I guess she was really a therapist. She had a plaque on the wall and then random other, you know, she had a wheelie chair. Which I think if you're in a wheelie chair, I immediately assume you're in a position of power. I don't care if I see you on the street with a with a uh, with a coffee can in front of you that people are throwing change in. If you're in a wheelie chair, I think you're a doctor. I mean, there's just no way around it. You know, that's just a fact of life. She's in a wheelie chair. I'm sitting there. I black out. Long story short, she ends up crying. I have no idea what I told to her. Um, and then she said she'll never see me again. So that's kind of a fun story. <laughs> That's my that's what that's a therapy story of mine. I had a bad therapy story too. I, I don't had, even remember. I don't. And my parents were like, "What did you say to her?" I was like, "I probably just told her some hard truths about yeah. her life." Yeah. <laughs> you know. And I was like 11 years old, 12 years old. Yeah. No one knows what it's like to be a 12 year old, six foot seven man, uh, boy, child, but the size of a man. It's not right. But because of stand up comedy, I was able to get over my fear of of being in public, and uh, and it really helped me. And now. Mike and I, we did something for the Liberty Tour, which is not attached to the Gary Johnson campaign. Uh, It is a Liberty Tour that, uh, you know, not not attached to the Libertarian Party either. Um, but we do speak positively of uh, of people who have liberty in mind when discussing politics. And uh, so that's been very fun. And when we go on stage and do those more political shows, you have the confidence of being in front of people because of stand-up comedy. So it can, uh, you know, if you don't make it as a stand-up or if you get bored and you realize that it's mostly a, you're a glorified truck driver, but instead of unloading cargo at Walmart, you unload a series of jokes in front of equally drunk people at the chuckle bone. To silence, usually. To silence, yeah. That's that's when you're doing really well. Mm-hmm. And that's what you have to convince yourself. If the audience hates you, it's on them. That's not your fault. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the main mistake that every single comedian makes. And But you have to do that to callous up your mind uh, in order to not go home and uh, stab yourself with a knife like Elliot Smith. Yes, 100% agree. That's it. And then, of course, you get comfortable and you can get over it and you can let your guard down a little bit and realize that people, they want, they, they love you and they want to be entertained and they just want to be in your presence. And that's the most important thing when it comes to comedy, just making people feel comfortable being around you. And if they want to be around you, they can just sit, look at look at Ray Romano. Guy's yeah. never told a funny joke in his life. 
but people just like to be around him because sure. they feel like, hey, it's Thanksgiving, even if it's July. Mm-hmm. He always gives you a feeling of like, why am I not wearing a sweater with a turkey on it? You know, and that's what really that's more important than good jokes. I would agree with that. Being likable is, uh, I mean, the most important thing, which is a skill if you can develop, like you said, as a as a stand up comedian. <laughs> Once you quit stand up and you go yeah. into the corporate world, sure, uh, you can work the room a little bit. People will kind of want to hang around you because you 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 emit oh my omit God. charm. It's unbelievable. The lack of charm in these corporate offices is just it's phenomenal. I mean, these are drone people. It's just it's it's a it's dire straits in there. I have no idea how they do it. I mean, that's just the career that be, people choose. Um, I mean, you know, every time I go to work, I sit down at my desk. You got to put yourself in a different headspace. You got to forget, uh, you know, the great fans that you just met when you were over in Europe or, you know, we're coming to Boston soon. We're in D.C. Uh, this upcoming weekend, you got to forget all the fun things that you do with your life and you got to focus on, uh, you know, staring at the computer screen, yeah. typing the words. But I mean, it's fun. It's still television. So your words can get regurgitated on the big on the tiny screen, the silver screen. But by the way, the silver screen television, it gets some people say, oh, it's it's not as important as movies. Citizen Kane, greatest film of all time. Orson Welles, it debuted in the movie theaters, but William Randolph Hearst, the mogul, he's a monster. And I hate, I hate you, Hearst. He was pissed with the, with the character in Citizen Kane. Because it is him. It's him. Yeah. And so he banned it from all the cinemas. He basically just told the cinemas, if you air it, we're going to cut your funding, all these kinds of things. Multiple years later, I believe it was seven years later, Orson Welles, he was 25 when he made Citizen Kane, so he was only 32, so it's, you know, whatever, bro. You know, he was he was upset. Just much fatter by then. He got fat quick. Yeah, really fat. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Bonbons? He was like hot, like young Orson Welles, hot, hot dude. Big weird head. His big jaw, yeah, kind of big weird yeah. head. Yeah. But then he grew into big weird head with the rest of his body. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the big head was an indicator of where his body was going to go. He had to have known. So then it it got uh, it aired on television because you know they they need, desperately needed content. They bought it like extremely cheap. Everyone fell in love with Citizen Kane. So television was the launch for the greatest movie in the history of movies, according to many people. Of course, I always prefer Billy Madison. I also enjoy Tommy Boy and uh, Hot Shots Part Deux. Part Deux. Yeah, I actually think it's better than Hot Shots. Part one. Part well, yeah. yeah. And uh, so that's what that's interesting. So the so the job is good because, you know, you get to, you know, still be um, involved in the television industry. It's not as um, as crippling, depressing as something like working in, uh, you know, something like working. Sales. Uh, you say, well, sales is good because you make a sale. That's a, that's a hot. That's that's hot stuff. That's, that's a good day. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That'll make you feel good. But uh, something like you know, working a temp job, you know, where you just like put random numbers into a into a computer, and you don't know what numbers you're putting into the computer. You might be sending people to the camps. Yeah. <laughs> I worked at Madison Square Garden when I first got to New York City ten years ago. I can't believe it's been ten years already. And uh, MSG, it was fun to be there. I'm a huge New York Knicks fan, and as a matter of fact, here at W, uh, well, I can't say where we record. Yeah, it's probably better not to. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> if you just look at just look at the first three letters of the alphabet. Um, okay, yeah, true. and uh, I got the job, and it was fun to be in Madison Square Garden because the New York Knicks play there. So uh, in my head, you know, I'm from Wisconsin. I'm like, the Knicks are just gonna be walking around. You know, this will be so exciting. I'll meet John Starks. He's my favorite player of all time. I used to argue that he was better than Michael Jordan. Difficult to argue, mm. but I would always just be like, he dunked on him, and that's definitive proof he's better than Michael Jordan. Most people would argue that I am wrong about that, but I would stand by my guns because he was undrafted, he could barely speak, 
And he did very well, except for in Game 7 against the Houston Rockets when he didn't get any sleep the night before because he was nervous. And if I would have been there and I would have said, John, it's going to be okay, John, let me rub you, you know, and I would have massaged him and said everything's fine and I would have put warm bagels on his ears. And that Because who doesn't love a good warm bagel? On their ears. Why wouldn't you? And I would have had him go to sleep, and then he wouldn't have gone like one for 30. Uh, and we would be NBA champions. Of course, that would be like 1996. Um, but that would have been good to win win the championship. Yeah. Anyway, the temp job was a complete and utter nightmare. Uh, there was a beautiful girl that I was in the page you, who I'm still friends with. Um, but other than that, it was a total nightmare. And all you did was put numbers into a random spreadsheet. And, uh, and I mean, you know, if I, if I had a gun... I would have just, I would have just one bullet, one bullet in the chamber. That's all you need, and it could have ended the whole thing. Instead, I just ended up going in late every day, and they fired me, which I thought was kind of fun. It was a terrible experience. Did you get unemployment after that? No, no, no. I don't even think I was ever officially working there. I'm not sure if I ever got a paycheck. Yeah, I would just kind of show oh, up no. and you know maybe make maybe a little bit of cash, and uh, it was you know it was a fairly fun job, I suppose. I did enjoy going to the to the kitchen. And um, I would eat a lot of lean cuisines, and people would always microwave stuff. It was kind of fun. There was always a free pizza in there on Wednesdays. Whip up a little snack. Somebody else would always eat the pizzas, though. Yeah. And But then someone would, someone would bring in donuts, and then they'd be like, I brought donuts, and I'm like, thanks for bragging. <laughs> it's like, okay, you know? And then they wanted to be like praised all day for bringing in donuts. Yeah. Everyone's morbidly obese in these offices. Yeah. The last thing we need is, is more donuts. Yeah. Bring in a low-fat Go-Gurt. Then I'd be happy. You know, how about a, I mean, it's like donuts and work. I mean, I, I would fall asleep at my desk just standing there. I was like, bored, Boy George. If you ever see the Boy George footage where he's on heroin and he keeps on falling asleep and he keeps on hitting his nose on the tip of his pen. You ever see this footage? No. Oh, it's remarkable. At the end of the, at the, end of the interview, he looks like it's like, a, it's like a, a lie detector test happened on his nose. It's just a bunch of dots going, you know, all, all which way because he was on heroin and he kept on falling asleep during the interview. And that was me sitting at this temp job falling asleep regularly, probably because I had to eat so many damn donuts. Otherwise, Becky uh, would be pissed off if I, if I didn't have all the crawlers she brought in for work that day. Yeah, I think they I don't were, understand this, this donut phenomenon. They definitely want to keep you in corporate offices. They want to keep you getting out of shape and, and uh, not all that they confident want you in fat. yourself. Yeah. They want you immobile and they want you fat. Everybody you might knows. go somewhere. You might go yeah. to another job. Well, exactly. And jobs aren't hiring. If you break all the damn chairs yeah. uh, during the interview, you're not going to get hired. And you're going to be forced to be in the exact temp job that they hired you at 10 years ago because, you know, they've been able to solidify and um, sure up your chair with cinder blocks and things like that. So they were like, Ben's going nowhere. He's reached max weight. Mm-hmm. He's going to be working for us forever, punching numbers into this random spreadsheet. Again, no idea what lives I was affecting. For all I know, I was in corp- I, w- I was. I was pulling off Obama's drone war. This was a little bit before that, though. Mm-hmm. But I have no idea what I was doing. So, you know, if you are working in one of those jobs, try stand-up comedy. Try it. It's actually better than that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, it's 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 uh, it's been an interesting interesting few uh, months here. I mean, it's been about what three four months since we've done the show. I guess um, yeah, probably about three months. Yeah, maybe three months. Uh, I'm trying to think what else has happened. I mean, a bunch of things. You know, I had a mouse. Pudgy the mouse has been around, and I haven't seen him in a little while. Your super. Apartment? Yeah, I had a blender this week, and it broke. Oh no. Um, I bought it last week, and I was making, I was juicing, and I loved a good juice. I, I would put mango in there, and kiwi, and strawberries, mm. and I would also do a uh, rum, 
a lot of rum. It turns out my blunder loved rum, but then I guess I got it too drunk, and I tried to turn it on, and it started smoking like a fiery dad after he just came home. He's a fireman. per Let's say he's a fireman, and he couldn't save a child from a burning building, and so he went, went after work, and he got trashed at the local bar, and they said, you got to be cut off, and he's like, I'm a hero. I'm going to go see my kid and let him know. And uh, then he comes home, he's smoking, he's super pissed off, and he ends up sleeping in the trash. And that's what happened to my blender. It smoked, and after too much rum, and I had to throw it away, and I'm pretty devastated by it, but I can always buy a new one. Yeah, say la vie. You can always get a new dad. Yeah, life goes on. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Kevin Meany is dead. Nobody even cares. 40 ah, years, stand-up peace, comedian. He, was, he really was great. He was a great, great comedian. Yeah. And uh, I, I had never met him, but uh, by all accounts, from what I've heard, very, very nice man. Yeah, he's a wonderful guy. I'm, I'm sure of it. Um, yeah, you know, let's see. Mass depression. I think I'm doing fairly well with that. I was talking a little bit on the last episode, oh, many months ago. I, I'm going to l- cut back on the drinking. Did you do it? No. Okay. No, I did not do that, but that's okay. Um, be- I did do a little bit. I've been, I switched from Budweiser to Bud Light. So that's, that's, you're saving cows. That's calories. Yeah. And I don't buy the tall boys anymore. The 24 ounces. Regular bottles. I buy 16 ounces. So that, that means you can only, you can only have 16 ounces if you, you know, and then because sometimes you open up a 24 ouncer and then you're like, gotta finish it, mm-hmm. you know, because that's the Midwestern boy in me. My parents always made me finish my plate, um, when I was a child, which is apparently extremely damaging. To children, you're not supposed to do it. They're supposed to. Their bodies know when they're done eating. And my parents would say, "You got to finish it all." You know, like there was, like, it was like a, a child trying to collect all the Pokemon, but it was me trying to eat all the sausage and bacon and a bunch of egg dishes. My mother couldn't get enough uh, working with the eggs. Mm. I think she liked to, to beat them or something. I, maybe she, maybe she enjoyed the sounds of of beating beating eggs. Hostility getting out of there. Yeah, I think she had. She's quiet. She's quietly angry. Yeah. You know, she would smile, but I knew she was constantly livid, hopped up probably. <laughs> but you never know. I mean, dinner was dinner was absolutely the worst. I hated dinner growing up so much. Uh, it was a real nightmare. But you're Italian, uh, Mike, yeah. so you had good dinners. I mean, that's what your people do. We had great dinners. No one fights at all. Uh, that's not true. There were tons of. I mean, Italians really love fighting. Yeah, I didn't know that about them. Yeah, I mean hmm. it's it's a there's a facade I think from the outside perspective a lot of people see like big family but yeah when you have that many people in a family you're gonna have beef with somebody you know mm, beef mom grandpa mom and aunt Nancy whatever there's gonna be some yelling yeah nightmare nightmare yeah there was always a lot of yelling at uh, at my dinner table you know the evangelical parents uh, and then the gay brothers and then we would always have a foster kid over there. Um, you know, who is rightfully crying about something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had a very traumatic well, life. He's an orphan. Yeah. 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 And until adopted by a by a family member. I mean, you know, we did a great job. But yeah, I remember one time, I mean, my father used to just like force feed us all this. I was like, a, they were like making us, uh, what do you call that thing with the liver that they do with the ducks? Foie gras. Foie gras? Your dad was making you foie gras? He was making me the duck. What? He was stuffing food in my mouth. What were you talking about having bad dinners and bad... That's what I'm talking about. Foie gras is like like a delicacy. I'm not. I am the duck. Yo, you're the duck. It's not foie, foie I thought, gras. I no, it's like all gras and potatoes. I thought your dad was making foie gras for the family. My dad didn't make. What is? He's a truck driver. I didn't. I. But he may have may have had some culinary Wait, he, skill. No, he's not. Gordon Ramsay is not like. I was also a truck driver from Germany at some point. Fair. No. 
No, my dad would he would he would he would just make us eat all this food. That's why he turned out to be so fat. That and some other issues. Well, you know it's fatty. What? Fargois. <sighs> Whatever. You're supposed to smear it on bread. I do know that. Yeah, so it would jam food down my mouth. It was a ridiculous experience. And then everyone was constantly fighting. And, um, you know, I hated dinner growing up. But that's why uh, I love delis so much. And I love New York City because yeah. you never have to sit around a table and have dinner with your family. You eat it while it's you way over. It's way overrated, yeah. the dinner with your family. Who likes it? Does any, has anyone ever had a good experience dinner with the family? It's, I love a TV dinner. I want to lay on my stomach. I want to watch television. That's it. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. I love eating alone. I'll, I do too. If a restaurant is full, I'm not going. If it's empty, I am there. I don't care what the what the letter grade is. I don't even care what kind of food it is. So you know why we do that? I don't know why. Well, we both have tremendous social anxiety. Well, and I also want to be like, don't judge me for how much I'm about to consume. That too. Oprah levels of macaroni and cheese. I believe she said she ate six pounds of it one day, and I've done that, and I love every damn second of it, but I'm not trying to do it in public. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you do that in the kitchen by yourself. Nobody's around. Standing up. Roommates are out. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be doing that in front of people because they might make a judgment. Oh, absolutely not. So if you are, if I mean, let's, you know, listeners, let me know what you guys think about the family dinner. I just feel way overrated. Everyone's like the destruction of the American dream, the destruction of the American family. The fact that, you know, fathers are gone missing from the house is because there's no more family dinner. Way overrated. No one had a good family dinner. I mean, thank God for televisions, and thank God that Americans were marketed to to the degree where they're like, put a television in every room, mm. including make the dinner table a television. Yeah. Thank God for that. Did I you mean, have a TV a in the kitchen? Uh, no, we did not. My parents limited our TV use, which I actually appreciate. Uh, we didn't have cable too much growing up. It was off and on. I think my father would miss it, and then they would say, kids, we have a special bonus for you. We're going to get television back. And I'm like, I think dad just wants to watch. God knows what. Right. Probably some Christian 700 Club programming with Pat Robertson. Pat Robertson. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait for him to go. I mean, I guarantee when Pat Robertson dies, he's going to get a bigger write-up in the paper than Kevin Meany, and the guy hasn't done anything good for anybody. It's going to be front page, probably. Probably. Yeah. Probably him going to the pearly gates and just, what is it, Peter at the gate? Uh, Yes. I think it's Peter at the the gate. gate. Peter's going to tell him no. That's what he's going to say. Uh, it's possible, well, but in his head, he's going to be around for a while because he is at ease, and people who are yeah. at ease live forever. That's just the way it is. There's no stress in your life. Yeah, that's true. He is at ease. Well, I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's all make-believe anyway. Yeah. But family dinners, yep, complete uh, complete and utter waking nightmare. It's so let us know. They're a sham. Shame. They're complete and utter lies. I'll never understand them. I've been getting into boots lately. I'm wearing nothing but boots now, although today I'm wearing sneakers. But uh, yesterday, uh, uh, Mike and I, we went to, uh, again, like I said earlier, the Liberty Tour. We did a little thing there, and you saw my Laredos. That's what they are. They're, They're fantastic looking. I mean, what a boot. Uh, no, I'm not Canadian, okay? What a boot. The boots, unbelievable. I've never felt taller in my life. It's a two-and-a-half-inch heel. I finally feel masculine. For the first time. I mean, I'm almost six foot ten in those things, and people are treating me with respect. One person just said, hey, Wall Street, and then he offered me cocaine. Swear to God. Wow. Yep. I'm wearing my boots. I got my Jose Bank on. I got my American flag cufflinks that my girlfriend bought me. Beautiful cufflinks. And I'm walking down the street, and someone says, hey, Wall Street, you want some coke? And I said, no, I, I, I don't touch the stuff, but thank you for the compliment. 
And how nice is that? I don't know if he meant it as a compliment because people seem to hate everybody on Wall Street or from, from Wall Street or anyone associated with Wall Street. But nonetheless, I'll take it as a compliment. Growing up a poor child in Wisconsin, Wall Street's a good nickname for me. So you think it was a little snarky? Well, I think he wanted to unload sarcastically. I think he wanted to unload a bunch of coke. Oh. And he thought I would be the the vessel to uh, you know, to consume the mass amounts of cocaine, the product that he had filling up his pockets at the time. Uh, and, and I mean, I understand why he thought that. Again, in my boots, I'm six foot ten, so he's like that dude could probably snort a whole series of different. He could probably he could clear the snow off a mountain. You're six foot ten in those boots. That's what I'm talking about, that bro. Is, you're a full foot taller than I am. I'm a man in those boots. For the first time in my life, I feel like a man, and you know, it's crippling. It is crippling. To it's, be a man, it's just tough, Mike. No yeah, one will understand. The world's trying to take you down. Take me down every minute of the day. The world doesn't like strong men. No, they don't. Well, you know, Trump isn't giving us a very good reputation because he's not a strong man. He's actually an exceptionally weak man. Yeah. Um, small hands. Small hands and small mind and small ego. Well, massive ego, small, thin skin. Mm. You can see right through the guy. He's a jellyfish. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, it is interesting dealing with, you know, now that we get a little bit more uh, attention from some uh, listeners and stuff like that, uh, you know, sometimes people say mean things and you just got to get over it and uh, and keep on moving on because the overall um, reception from the listeners is just so unbelievably incredible. When we were in the UK, this woman came up and she was just crying and she's like, you saved our, my son's life because, you know, they grew up in these small towns and they're like weird kids. Like all of us were weird kids. And uh, there's nothing to do. No one, no one can relate to you. And uh, so I feel like something with last podcast on the left uh, or roundtable of gentlemen or Abelian's top hat that makes people feel like they're normal. And uh, you know, thinking about true crime or having a different uh, opinion about politics or whatever it might be, uh, it makes them feel like they have a home. So that's really uh, that's really nice. And that's something that uh, Mr. Trump will never understand. Actually, being loved by people for uh, you know. Because they see the goodness, or you bring the goodness out of them, as opposed to the hatred. Mm-hmm. You know, because you can also love somebody because they're like that guy. Just totally, I identify with all the rage in his mind, matches all the rage in mine, and that's why I support him. But it's not like love. You know, it's just different shit. Yeah, it's interesting though. You mentioned the rage in someone's mind matches the rage in uh, someone else's mind, and they would support that person. Hmm. Do you think that that was the same kind of um, perception of Bernie Sanders? Because he had a lot of ra- appeared to have a lot of rage in his mind. Wall Street bankers, the one percent. Yep, a lot of people connected with that. We talk about it a lot on Abelian's Top Hat. Both po- very populist messages. Uh, you know, w- uh, Bernie talking about the one percent was the equivalent of you know the theory of Bernie talking about the one percent is this is the reason that you are you are in uh, you know economic despair. These are the people to blame, and these are the ones who put you here. It's not your fault. We must take them down. Um, you know, you sort of you 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 create a monster and uh, you solidify a base uh, that are all in agreement that that person is the problem and that is or that entity is the problem and we must stop that entity and then we're, then we're going to be the rich ones. Mm-hmm. And for Trump, for Trump, it was immigrants. You know, he's like they're the reason that you don't have a job. They're the reason you're an economic um, you know failure. They're the reason that the country is going downhill. So everyone, you know, they just found their minority group. They found a majority uh, consensus against that minority group, and they just then you have a political move. It's so simple. Uh, and, you know, you can argue which one is 
you know, more bigoted or whatever. I mean, obviously Trump uh, using uh, racial bigotry um, without a doubt, but you could also argue economic bigotry on the side of Bernie Sanders. I mean, sure. to judge people based on on uh, you know their amount of income um, is is similar uh, to uh, to a degree of judging people based on a religious, uh, a sexual orientation, um, a, a creed, or a, or a gender. You know, these are things that uh, although. You know, obviously, well, some people are just born into wealth, but you, there is more of a fluidity of wealth. Although, of course, with with gender, there's certainly a fluidity of that as well. Race, not so much, unless, of course, you're Rachel Dolezal, mm. who, thank God, has not been mentioned uh, other than right now yeah. for about a year. So I apologize for throwing her name back into the collective unconscious. Yeah. And I guarantee you there's going to be an article written about her now. Say her name two more times and she pops up in the mirror in the bathroom. Oh, good God. <laughs> kind of a hot chick, though, in her own way. Well, she's, you know, mixed race. Is she? She says so. She's not. Uh, she can pick and choose. I guess you can just pick and choose she can just now. pick and choose these days. Yeah, whatever. Um, so, yeah, but I do want to cut back. I think that's the goal here. Um, I'm going to cut back on drinking still. That'll be very good. I'm running for mayor in 2017. Of New York. Uh, of New York no, City. I am. Yeah, I am. That'll be really fun. I'm going to run uh, as a libertarian. And, Are you serious? Uh, yeah, I'm going to do it. Yeah, it'll be very fun. Out of your room, out of your womb, out of your wallet. That's my motto. And uh, yeah, that's what's so fun about doing these political- You're really uh, running for mayor of New York City? Well, I'm going to slowly walk, but yes, uh, I'm going to do it. Yeah. That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, it'll be a lot of I fun. I didn't think they, uh, that's great. I mean, I don't I, know. I hope you get I'm some taller than Bill de Blasio. I should be mayor right now. Good point. You, know, you are I'm, taller. And, I'm, and when, I, when I wear my boots, I'm going to be a hell of a lot taller. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, it is interesting. And I think about this a lot. How did this because, not come to the forefront of this episode of this podcast? Oh, I don't know. I, I just kind of like spitball stuff out there. Oh, uh, by the way, I'm running for mayor. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if people even made it this long in, I mean, they said, give us another show. I'm like, this is it. This, yeah. is, all, this is all I got. Uh, you know, it's a bit of a different show than the other ones uh, that I do, but I love doing it with you, Mike. I love doing it with you. Um, Mike. yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 interesting. I think about this a lot lately as I get older. I'm 35 years young, 35 years young at this point, and uh, you do wonder like how many opportunities are closed because of the content of the past, right? You know, I've been recorded, my voice recorded for about eight years. Um, and God knows what's been said on many, many of these programs. Um, certainly my maturity level is far higher, but, uh, at the end of the day, I run a true crime serial killer podcast, uh, that ends with, uh, somebody, uh, namely Henry Zabrowski hailing Satan, mm. uh, for all intents and purposes, it's a satanic podcast. Uh, if you had to identify it with the religion, uh, not that it's a religious podcast whatsoever, but I think people would be like, it seems like a satanic podcast. Um, you know, and then Roundtable of Gentlemen, I mean, it's a drinking show. Uh, we've been trashed on that show, I mean, pretty much every episode for the most part for eight years. Um, and then, of course, Able Against Top Hat, which I think is the safest of all the epi- uh, of all the shows that I do. But uh, you do wonder, you know, if what the, uh, you know, what the... Um, what the public is going to say, you know, if you do put yourself into, uh, you know, in, in, into a public office type situation, I mean, obviously you have what Trump, uh, you know, uh, Trump, Donald Trump Jr. was on Opie and Anthony and they, they, they took that con, uh, that conversation and they blasted him with that. And Donald Trump himself was on uh, the Howard Stern show and said ridiculous things. Of course, he followed it up by actually probably most likely being a sexual predator himself. Mm. 
Um, but you do wonder, I mean, how much that's, that sort of stuff is going to hurt you. Uh, it's off. It's, it's the only base of my success. So, you know, uh, you know, so I, I, again, going back to that bipolar thing, working at Fox news and then doing all these shows, you know, it is, it's a, it's a constant, like, you know, kind of a struggle to figure out what, what's going to be socially acceptable. Uh, you know, what, what kind of, you know, life, uh, you'll be able to have. But I think, uh, yeah, running for mayor would, uh, would be absolutely incredible. It'd be a great experience. I mean, God knows, um, you know, winning seems like quite a long shot, uh, you know, or an impossibility. But I think getting, uh, you know, the the Libertarian Party platform ideals out there, and then of course mixing them with myself with my own ideas, I think we could do really, really well. Um, I don't know what the backlash is going to be. I mean, I think I'll crush the debates. I'll do great, and then they'll be like, "And he said this on episode whatever of this show," and it'll be about you know what gerbils and Richard Gere were up to for a weekend um, mm. or whatever it might be. So God knows what, uh, you know, what will be snipped as, is you know, sexist or racist or whatever. I mean, you could eight years of, you know, doing a show, you could make me look out to look like the greatest human being on the face of the planet or the worst human being on the face of the planet. However you want to edit it. Yeah. I think you're also, uh, you're assuming that the paper is going to dig that far. Uh, they're all right there. I mean, everything is just there. Yeah. yeah I mean, I mean, obviously, everyone will think it's a lark at first, and then um, I'll just do better than everybody, and then, uh, yeah, then they'll have to, like, you know, try to destroy me. So that'll be exciting. Yeah, that'll be great. We'll see, though. Uh, Yeah, but, I mean, at the same time, if you are out there and, you know, you feel like, oh, I have a past, um, you know, I can't run for city council, I can't run for Congress or Senate or state Senate or state, uh, you know, for the, you know, state house, um, don't even worry about it. I think just throw yourself out there and run. The Boston mayor, for example, is a recovering alcoholic. Uh, he's doing fairly well. They seem to like him over there in Boston. He speaks just like them, so they should. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I hear that all the time from people. I'd be like, you should run for something, you know, because everyone, I think, should run for public office at some point in their life, win or lose. It really doesn't matter. I think it's more about, you know, just getting out there, meeting the constituents, meeting the people, and getting a better understanding of the democracy in the country that we live in, because then you'll be able to make more informed decisions, and I think you'll have a better sense of community at the end of it. Um, so just get out there and do it. I mean, I don't care if you're a former porn star or a current porn star or, you know, maybe you got a couple of DUIs. I mean, maybe you spent some time in the in the penitentiary for, uh, you know, whatever it might be. Stealing mm-hmm. as a child. God knows what you can go to jail for, you know, in this day and age. Too many speeding tickets, whatever. I think that, um, you know, just get out there and give it a shot if you have ideas and, uh, you know, you want to express them and you think that people might um, benefit from from your uh, from your views on on uh, on government and society. So that's what I always just tell people. A lot of people feel like, you know, they especially in this industry, you make so many um, every mistake that you make is magnified and every mistake that you make is public because we're public people. Um, but I think that people are willing to forgive and forget. And uh, and like they'll be willing to listen to you once you announce that you're actually running for office or something like that. So I say if you are listening and you want to do anything with your life regarding public service, get out there and do it because the only person stopping you is you. All right. Uh, very good. So, yeah, I'll be the mayor in 2018. No doubt about looking it. Looking forward to it. Yeah. They won't even have to change the de Blasio can just leave his clothes. Do I get invited to in Gracie the, Mansion? Yeah, man. Everyone's invited to Gracie Mansion. I'm going to turn it into a club. It'll be great. Ooh. Yeah. Jay-Z is going to design the whole thing. That's awesome. Yeah. That's what, I'm excited. That's what the young people want. I can't wait want. for you to be mayor. Uh-huh. Yes. There's no way it's not happening. It's guaranteed to happen. <laughs> uh, yeah. Rachel Dolezal will be my, uh, uh, she'll be in charge of race relations. Have you reached out to her yet? 
No, I haven't reached out to her. I might just all. maybe attempt to do that before <laughs> the run. So she's yeah, part yeah, of the yeah. package. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that'll be that's how you get the votes. Right. That's how you do it. The, you need the Rachel um, Dillazol vote. But no, man, it has been extremely fun doing these uh doing these political functions. Extremely fun. The libertarians are an interesting bunch. Uh, there was a heavy set fellow who ate about mm. seven pieces of pizza yesterday's event or this weekend's event, and then he fell asleep. So the crowds have been wonderful, you know, crowds after yeah. my own heart. You the know? question is, was it his fault or was it our fault for not uh, controlling slinging the jokes? Hey, man, you know, the, what, what can we do? It's like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Was he going to sleep anyway? You know, or, the, the, we, the chicken the came first. It had to have come first, right? Yeah, because uh, the egg is made up of, there's an enzyme on the egg that can only be created by a chicken. So the chicken must have at some point crawled out of the, the goo. I don't know. As a chicken. I'm not sure how they do it. I'm not a Darwinian scientist. What I have I no know? I have no clue. There's a new movie coming out that blames the Columbine massacre on Darwin. Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, of course, uh, the massacre at uh, Columbine. We all know that. There's a new documentary or documentary movie coming out that blames Darwin and the uh, the theory of evolution for the murder of, uh, what was it, 19 kids at Columbine. Mm. Seems a bit of a stretch. Yeah, well, Hollywood takes artistic liberties. They do. Yeah. They do. Um, but yeah, I you know so so uh, check me out this year. That'll be or next year rather, 2017. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, you know we'll keep on doing all the programs and everything like that. I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm trying to. Is there any questions that people have? I wish we could do calls, but it's a podcast. It's a podcast, so we can't do any. Yeah. Yeah, Brooke. Any questions? My girlfriend's here. She said no, so that's good. We're we're on good terms. <laughs> nothing nothing crumbling there. Things do seem to be going great. Uh-huh. Um, you know what? All right. We'll we'll we'll, we'll start doing these more often. Yeah. I got to get back in the old swing of things yeah, here. We have a nice rhythm. Now we're, you know. We're back. We're both busy. Busy guys. Yeah. Busy guys, but everything is going well in the right direction. Um all right, guys. Well, check me out. Check us out here. We're going to be in Washington D.C. this weekend at the Benson Ball which will be extremely fun. And check out all the shows on Cave Comedy Radio. Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, last podcast on the left, The Roundtable of Gentlemen. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it, Mike. You got yeah. social villains? I got social villains. I also might be coming up to Montreal to do some comedy uh, within the month, the Ooh. month of November, December. So I don't have a – I don't know why I even promoted it if it's not on the books. It doesn't matter. That's dumb. I might be coming up there, though, so keep an eye out. For if you want to follow me on Twitter at Mike Coscarelli or Facebook, Instagram, I'll put all that stuff up on there. Awesome. Um, all right, everyone. That's uh, yeah. You can find Mike on Twitter at my uh, Mike Coscarelli. Facebook Mike Coscarelli. I don't know if people look at Facebook. Facebook is one of the. I don't know. It, it's depressing me. I wanted to get rid of the app. I wish I could do it, but I, I need it for booking and shows and stuff. Yeah, it, I, I know. Might be an excuse that I'm using, but I, I hate it. But. It's a necessity. That's how it you seems. Got, you got to have it. Um, yep, and you can find me on Twitter at Ben Kissel. Uh, Instagram, I'm at Ben Kissel one but I don't know how to use it. I still don't. I mean, I can't I can't even, I, I'm barely able to find the pictures I'm tagged in. Yeah. I'm just learning how to do that. You could barely use a blender. I can't use a blender. It's yeah. in the garbage. Yeah. It loved its rum, and now it died. <sighs> I don't know how, the juicing diet, I failed, because you're not supposed to have a full dinner with I, the juice. I don't think you're supposed to put rum in it, either. You're supposed to put rum in it. All those juice, all the commercials. I mean, you can put rum in yeah, it. Yeah, they always. They but always, if you're doing a liquid diet, if you're doing, if you're juicing, yeah. you don't put rum meal, in it. No, you don't put rum in it. Ah, well, difference of a difference of opinion. Um, that's not a problem. Uh, out of your room, out of your womb, out of your wallet. That's what I say. Ben Kissel, twenty seventeen. Kissel, twenty seventeen.
Kissel for mayor. You're going to love it. Um, all right, everyone. We'll talk to you soon.